You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Romillo, credential reporter and the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to subscribe to the show if you haven't already, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories? It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in this episode. This is part two of a conversation with Nikias Duncan of Basketball News. If you haven't heard part one, which ran on Tuesday, make sure you go and check that out. Great conversation. We started then talking about Kendrick Nunn's resurgence and getting into John Collins, the Atlanta Hawks situation and what that might mean for Miami, if anything. And then in today's episode, we talk a little bit more about Kendrick, get into Duncan Nunn and start answering more of your listener questions about what the team could possibly do to upgrade, whether or not it's the point guard position or the power forward position that needs more attention. Some, you know, talk about the defensive schemes that Eric Spolster has run of late. And the Kaya's finally cuts loose and talks about his well-established disdain for the coverage of basketball in general over at TNT because some of their opinions there, and it feels oddly appropriate considering there's some video going out today with Candace Parker absolutely exposing Shaquille O'Neal for the ignorant buffoon he, he appears to be, at least on national television. So that's an, a good part of the conversation. That's how we wrap it up. Just want, wanted to get into a couple of news and notes here. Jimmy Butler traveling with a team as they're moving on to New Orleans to wrap up the first half of the season, so that's good. And also Precious Achua and Tyler Hero elected to be in the NBA Rising Stars game that'll take place this weekend at that All-Star game. Here's Nikias for part two of our conversation. So much of the conversation about Kendrick now, especially over the last couple of weeks of this resurgence, is do you sell high on Kendrick Nunn? And I hate that language in, for, in the first place, but I guess the point stands is do you do you make the trade now with Kendrick where he's playing as well as he is in the hope of acquiring a better player? Or is there even a better player that you could immediately add that would kind of take Miami's ceiling in another direction? Cause I'm not sure that one exists. Like I, I know the name everybody likes gravitating towards is Victor Oladipo. I mean, it's certainly going to take a lot more than Kendrick Nunn to pry Oladipo out of Houston, at least I think, but I, I don't know. I mean, Oladipo in his current incarnation in Houston versus the version of none that we're currently seeing, which one of them is a better fit for Miami? Um, Before I even dig into that, can I just say it frustrates me? Like, it, this, and to be clear, like, this is not specific to Heat fans. It's not specific to any fan base. I think it's just a general NBA fan thing. I don't feel like the NBA fan base at large understands how trade and how trade value works. Oh, of course not. Like no front office worth its salt is going to say, Hmm, this guy's playing well for two weeks. I think this is who he is now. And conversely, no front office worth its salt is going to see a player in, you know, a two week cold spell and say, Oh man, he sucks. I'm never trading for that guy ever. Yeah. It's, never as volatile as fans make it seem. I, I, I've made this point before. I, I believe it is your colleague, Alex Kennedy, who wrote a piece on the whole nature of how the front office takes place and how trades shake up. Like, there are months in the works. This isn't like this dramatic red phone dialing in a darkly lit office, and all of a sudden you pick up the call. And it's like, 
make this trade happen and it just happens right away like these are boring conversations that take place with like interchangeable pieces moving and conversations having between gms that happen to be friendly with one another it's like it's not ever like all of a sudden none is playing well and now all of a sudden you're going to make the trade for james harden happen like none of that was going to happen as immediately as fans expected to so i i don't know it, it's a funny conversation i'm glad you brought it up we could always have more conversations about so many different things that fans I don't even I don't, maybe not perceive, but they just don't even have that acute understanding. They they just they're so passionate about their teams that they think, oh, this player is playing sh shitty. Let's move him right away. Or this player is playing great. Let's make that the trade happen right away. And neither of those things are true. Yeah, it's very odd. Like, again, Kendrick Nunn went undrafted and there are reasons for him going undrafted. But like, sure, he's been scouted and scouting reports update as you get a larger sample. But like. NBA front offices know who these players are. Now, if you're making a ups, an upside swing, you know, let's go back to the when Victor Oladipo was traded to um, first trade to Indiana. Mm -hmm. You know, you have that belief in your front office like, hmm, I think there is some untapped potential here that our staff can get out of him that he may be he may not be able to tap into in OKC. You know, you have those conversations. Sure. But, um, like, NBA front offices know who Kendrick Nunn is. Like they know what he is as a player and what you know what the upside is for him. So a hot stretch is not going to change his value much. A cold stretch is not going to change his value. Do you much. think he's capable of sustaining this recent play though? Like, is this the version of none that we're going to see moving forward in your opinion? Because I kind of tend to think it is. A lot of Heat fans seem to think it's going to peter out within the next week or two, and that's certainly a possibility given how he kind of fell off a cliff in february of last year but I, I don't know if that's i think this new version of kendrick might be a little bit more sustainable i think i think it's i can believe in the process on both ends okay. I, I believe in and if you're just looking at the productivity i believe in the defensive growth more than the offense right now like i think what kind of gets underlooked overlooked with kendrick nunn is that he was an old rookie and again there were very obvious reasons for that but at the end of the day, last season was still his first season really playing NBA basketball. So it's natural that the speed of the game was going to slow down for him a little bit. He was going to get a better feel on defensive coverages. He was going to be able to call out more sets and know when he's getting targeted and when, you know, they're running him off the screen just to set something else up. So getting that experience, there was going to be some growth. Uh, it's been a little bit more growth than I anticipated. And I think Miami fans and, you know, the Heat in general should be excited about that. Um, offensively, the shooting is going to regress a little bit. I don't think he's a 45% three-point shooter. Yeah. I think he's going to settle in in that 37% range, the 36, you know, between 36 and 38%, just by the nature of the shots that he takes. Again, this isn't a spot-up-in-the-corner guy. This isn't even a spot-up-above-the-break guy. This is a guy that is taking most of his threes coming out of pick-and-roll or flowing off of a screen. Right. So with the nature of him being a movement shooter, first and foremost, I don't expect him to hit 40-plus percent of his threes like he has been because then that's putting him into Steph territory or Dame territory. And I think it's fair to say he's not that as a shooter. But if he yeah. settles 37% and he's also fine defensively, then you take that. No doubt. No doubt. So speaking of, of great shooters and old rookies, I wanted to answer a few listener questions, and this one comes in from Sean. He asks, K-12 
Can you ask Nikias about the difference between Duncan Robinson this year versus last year? It seems like he's less effective this year, but is that because of defenses targeting him or a drop-off in his play? And I think you you talked about Duncan a little bit uh, on the dunker spot, but I wanted to give you this platform to kind of go into Duncan a little bit more and what seems to be a regression. I mean, he, he's still shooting mostly pretty well, but he's not quite as incendiary as he was last season uh, when he caught so many teams by surprise. To you, uh, to Sean's question, is there what, what's the difference between Duncan this year and last year? Um, yeah, just to answer the basic question, if it's you know team scheming for him, if it's regression, the answer is yes. <laughs> like Heat fans understand how great of a shooter Duncan Robinson is. I don't think they understand the depths of the shooting season that he just that he had. Like he wasn't a great three point shooter. He wasn't just a on par with, you know, Steph Clay in terms of percentage shooter. Like he just had one of the best shooting seasons in NBA history. Yeah, it was ridiculous. And we kind of just, again, so much of the conversation about Duncan is, oh, he's undrafted and, you know, <laughs> he's just finding his place in Miami. And yeah, all that is absolutely true. But that doesn't change the fact that what he did was historically, I mean, almost incomparable uh, considering the the unexpected production from a player like that so yeah it, it was not something that was going to be easily duplicated this season right like if last season was the baseline for duncan robinson then you're expecting him to be the best shooter in the the best shooter in nba history full stop yeah like i think if i remember the stat correctly from kurt goldsberry um since the tracking data has been implemented in terms of him as a catch and shoot guy, that was the most efficient catch and shoot season in NBA history. Right. So there was going to be some regression just by nature of teams not letting him get shots off. Or even be or even before that, there was just going to be some regression there. Like your worst season is just not going to be the best season in NBA history. That's just not how it works. So there was going to be a little bit of a dip just off of that. Now, once you add in that defenses are playing him tighter um the dribble handoff between him and bam has been switched more often has been trapped more often you know they force both of those guys into more decisions where they have to put the ball on the floor they're not letting duncan just flow into those uh, movement threes like they were last year yeah that's gonna make it tougher on them and you know the roster around duncan has not been there because again like while the Duncan Duncan, you know, while the Antibio Duncan Robinson dribble handoff was super effective last year, what helps that be effective is a guy like Jimmy Butler that can attack the rim and bend the defense first. Having Goran Dragic that can attack defense, you know, attack the rim and bend the defense first. Even Myers as a as a perimeter shooter attracting some attention there. Right. So you're you're bringing a big out. So then if they do try to trap Duncan Robinson and he slips that pass into Bam Adebayo. Now, since the opposing big man is out on Myers Leonard, you have no rim protection. So now it's Bam against a small guy or trying to, you know, a small guy trying to rotate and stop a Bam dunk. Or if they get there early, Bam's picking out a pass and, you know, the rotations are different because now you have a big man trying to make that rotation on the weak side instead of a guard. So now you remove Goran, you move Jimmy. Now teams are like, okay, this is the one central action we have to stop from Miami. If we stop this, they have nothing else. So rather they switch it and dare Duncan to beat them off the dribble or dare Bam to abuse a small guy in the post, which is still very quietly a problem. 
or if they trap it and say, okay, bam, you're in the short roll, but your shooters are Gabe Vincent and Andrea Godala. So we're just going to rotate and stop you at the rim and dare those guys to beat us. You know, it, this, Duncan Robinson hasn't had the same quality of looks offensively this season. So natural regression plus defenses locking in plus the help around Duncan Robinson not being there consistently, I think has all led to the dip that we've seen. So there was part one when Nick Kai is talking about Kendrick and Duncan Robinson. And of course, nothing has brought Miami as much joy over the last season and a half as Jimmy Butler has been. And that's why he's this week's ultra player of the week, leading Miami to big wins over the Utah jazz, uh, just really helping to turn around the season. And I think that's the important part there is that not only are they winning games, which ultimately bring you joy, but it's the way they do it. I think that's the defining factor too, for this team is that they, when they are, at their very best, when Jimmy is at his best and leading this team, he absolutely brings out the very best, makes all of Heat Nation extremely happy to watch him playing defense so intensely for him to be sharing the ball and getting everybody else involved to do all the things that Jimmy Butler does so well. It's absolutely what makes him an incredible player, one of the best players of the game. And that's what makes Michelob Ultra such a delicious beer too, because you're enjoying it as, look, it's times are tough. You want to be able to partake in a drink with your friends, either online, as some people are doing, having uh, virtual happy hour sessions via Zoom and others. And you want to be able to enjoy the moment there. Just crack open a Michelob Ultra, regale your, each other with stories about the, to- the past, you know, being able to go out and enjoy more of what life had to offer. And and I think you're, you're kind of capturing the moment there. And I think that we're experiencing a lot of that in Miami's recent win streak remembering how successful they were in the Orlando bubble and how Jimmy Butler was such a big part of that. So absolutely a great part of of what makes this team special and just reflective of what makes Michelob Ultra such a great beer. Make sure you stick around for my conversation with Nikias as we talk about what's sustainable from Miami's recent win streak here on the number one podcast for the latest news, rumors, and analysis. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards and TV shows, reality TV, so many things you can place a bet on. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Make sure you use the promo code Locked On. Cover everything you need to know about the Heat. But what about the rest of sports? Now the Lockdown Podcast Network has you covered there as well. With well, Lockdown Today, it's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Lockdown Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. I, I don't know how you feel, but I, I feel like again the conversation about Duncan is so you're either hot or cold, and and you know everybody wants to all of a sudden jettison him because of course there's the impending free agency and the talk about how much he'll get paid for this franchise. Like I I knew that he was never going to be able to do exactly what he did last year, obviously, but I also still think he's a good player with some upside and some, 
potential there just because of that gravity, because of everything else, because he can bend defenses to some degree. Uh, and he's shown the capacity to incorporate, you know, more off ball movement. And he's been, I think, fairly good at it of late. Do you, is he another one of those players that you feel like you can keep in this Miami roster or do you quote unquote sell high and try to move him for somebody else? I don't, I definitely don't think he is a never trade him guy. Um, I think that was some of the reporting last year that he viewed him as a core piece that they just weren't going to put on the table. Right. Uh, I don't think he's there anymore. I would say you only move, and this is a dull thing to say, you can say it about any trade, but like you only move him in the right deal. You only move him if you're including him in a package to bring in a all-star caliber or an all-star adjacent talent. Yeah. That's that's what you do for Duncan Robinson because, again, it's less about who he is as a player and more about what he means to the offense. Right. So <clears throat> if you're trading Duncan Robinson, you're probably not going to get as good of a shooter as Duncan Robinson because there are only a handful of those on the planet. So what you have the calculus that you have to do is that let's just say Duncan Robinson is the key piece in a Victor Oladipo trade. You know, so let's say it's Duncan Robinson plus, you know, Iguodala and some other salary filler to make that happen, right? The question that you have to ask is. You know, is Victor Oladipo better than Duncan Robinson on balance? Yes. Is Victor Oladipo going to bend the defense in a similar way that Duncan Robinson does? It doesn't have to be the same way, but is the pull-up shooting and the driving that Victor Oladipo brings, will that bend defenses in a similar way that Duncan Robinson coming off of a dribble handoff does? If the answer is no, then you need to think, very very hard about making that move anyway because you're gonna have to get the value elsewhere then you ask you know is victor oladipo a better defender than duncan robinson yes sure is the gap between those two defensively as large as the gap you know in terms of the skills that they bring the movement shooting for duncan robinson versus the pull-up shooting slash driving for victor oladipo i don't know and then once you find what the cost is on top of that again it's going to need salary filler that makes it tighter and factor in, okay, how much is Duncan Robinson going to garner on the open market and how much is Victor Oladipo pushing for? Because Victor Oladipo just turned down that two year, $45 million extension because he's looking for years. So once you factor all of that stuff in, then what's your answer? If it's still moving for Depot, fine. If it isn't, it's understandable because of how unique of a skill set that Duncan Robinson brings and all the other factors that you have to think about. Now I, I, for Harden, this conversation would have been different because anytime you can add a player of his caliber, you, you make that move 100 times out of 100. But for a yeah. guy like Oladipo, who we are, as we're talking about right now, would impact the offense to a certain degree. I have concerns about making a move like that in season. That feels like more of an offseason change to me. Do you share those concerns or do you think you could bring him in and it could seamlessly fit into Miami's shaky offense at times and then have them be the same kind of title contending team they view themselves as last year? Uh, I guess if you want to talk yourself into having his bird rights early and the deal not costing you a lot, then sure do it now. I'm even with the recent win streak for Miami, I'm still kind of against making a win now push. Mm-hmm. I just don't see Miami getting to the Brooklyn, Philly, Milwaukee tier this year. Mm-hmm. You know, I think 
again, the playoffs are a matchup game we saw last year. If you get the types of matchups, you know, most would agree that Milwaukee was the best team in the East last year, but Miami was also a very good team and they were uniquely equipped to defeat Milwaukee just because of the stylistic differences there. So does that similar path exist for Miami this year? Probably. Like, I still think they match up very well against Milwaukee. Um, I still have my question marks against for Brooklyn defensively, you know, so you can talk, you can talk yourself into that, but I don't think they should be, I don't know if they can afford to be as aggressive as they were last year to make that kind of swing, especially when they're coming up on an off season where they're going to have a bunch of cap space. Yeah. I think it I think it makes more sense if you have to pick a side, which you you don't, you can play both. But if you have to pick a side, I think it makes more sense to kind of play this out and wait. Or if you do want to sell high on a Kendrick Nunn that you don't think is a core piece, accumulate some assets that help you make the next move that you're gonna need. You know, get those assets ready. Because again, I mentioned earlier that there was some reporting around PJ Tucker, you would need three second round picks to get them. That price is probably dropped, but even if that price was the same, Miami doesn't have three second round picks, you know? So I think this could be the type of season where you accumulate the assets needed. So then next year when you, you know, you sign whoever, and then you're ready to make that one more move to make the finals push. Now you have some assets to make that move. So the hockey assist transaction then. Yes. That is a fantastic way to phrase that. Yes. I think that's more of the vein that Miami should go into. I don't think they should blow it up or tank, but if you can make some moves, some selling moves on the margins that help you set up that next big move, I think that makes more sense than trying to go all in for a win now move. Can can you quickly explain to my audience that keeps sending me questions why Boogie Cousins is not an ideal fit in Miami this season? <sighs> okay, let's you know what, let's relate it to this conversation. Heat fans are upset with Kelly Olenek because he takes threes and misses them and he can't move on defense. Why on earth would you want to sign a player that is worse at both of those things? (laughs) Thank you. I've tried saying it and I keep saying it. I'm done with Kelly. Trade trade him away now. I want Boogie Cousins. And I'm just like, wow, are are you sure? (laughs) Because that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. And and not only that, I mean, Boogie's a great passer, but I I think like even even Olenek is better defensively than this version of Cousins is. So I I just, I don't get it. So I'm glad that you feel similarly, that you explained it succinctly. And now we can move on. Uh, This next question comes in from Philly Heat. He writes in, how has Spo's use of the 2-2-1 press impacted our defensive efficiency? It's personnel-based and certainly limits the available shot clock, but wondering if there is data on those possessions. I probably should have brought this one up to you sooner because I don't. I doubt you have those numbers off the top of your head there. But any uh, loose thoughts on the two-two-one press? Ah oh, man, I yeah, I wish I would have had numbers for that. I could have just pulled up synergy real quick. I could probably do that and just pop in with those numbers a little bit later in the pod. But I just think from what I'm seeing, it definitely makes sense. It's interesting just going back to the Atlanta game on Sunday. And what makes that zone interesting is that Miami has no issues extending it. Like they'll have the two guys around half court. If you have a pull-up shooter like Trey Young, they'll do that and still maintain those zone principles. And they're able to um, match up and switch when necessary. If teams try to run some ball screens or some off screen actions to try to carve up that zone. So the fact that they can flip between that two, two, one press, they can flow into their two, three zone from there. 
They can just switch to a man, you know, a switch heavy man defense at the end of the shot clock. It's a way to slow down opposing offenses, you know, it gets them out of their initial action, makes them dig deeper in the clock. It's definitely something that Miami should be worried about putting, you know, putting that film out there a bunch. Mm-hmm. But it has been a fantastic counter for them as their defense has picked up over the last month or so. Now, you and your co-host, Steve Jones, um, were talking about the different kind of defensive schemes that Miami feels comfortable trotting out there and how it's helped them, not just in this past you know, six-game winning streak, but will help them down the right as, as they face other teams like Brooklyn and, and Milwaukee in the playoffs potentially. Uh, can you go into that detail a little bit more about how these different defensive schemes might help a team like the Heat? I think it just makes them versatile. If I could pop in real quick, I just pulled up the zone numbers. Um, Look at you. Look at you. Let's do this. This is why you have synergy as a bookmark, and that might be one of the nerdier things that I've said on a podcast. But Absolutely. Uh, Miami is second in terms of zone possessions per game defensively, which is funny because we talked about Indiana on my podcast, and they were second, but I guess Miami passed them after the game against Atlanta last night, so that's fun. Yeah. But anyway, they are second with 9.9 zone possessions. They allow basically 98.5 points per 100 possessions, which is one of the better numbers on the board. So it's it has been working for them. Stay tuned for part three of my conversation with Nikias Duncan. We'll be talking a little bit about TNT's coverage of the NBA at large, as well as getting into what Miami needs to do to upgrade either the point guard or power forward position. You're listening to Locked on Heat. There's no need to upgrade when you're talking about rockauto.com because with an ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's impossible to stock all the parts you might need when you go to a traditional chain storefront. They're asking you questions. You don't know the exact answers to give them. They start looking up things on their computer and you're not even sure if they're getting the part that you need rather than the part that just happened to carry. You've got computers with access to rockauto.com at home. It's a family-owned business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years, and you can choose from hundreds of manufacturers. Why spend more for the exact same parts uh, at a chain store or car dealership? You can get everything you need directly, say, you know, sent directly to your home and safely as well. RockAuto.com's low prices are the same for everybody. So go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Then go to the section that says, how did you hear about us? And enter the phrase locked on so they know we sent you. It's amazing selection. Reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. That's RockAuto.com. Madness is only a few weeks away, but the future of the NBA is on display right now. Get a head start in this year's draft analysis by subscribing to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast. Draft guru Chad Ford has released his Big Board 2.0 with profiles of Kate Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, and more. Subscribe to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast wherever you get podcasts. Going to wrap up our conversation here with Nikias Duncan. This is part three of part two of our conversation so uh make sure you check out the previous episode if you haven't already and uh, of course stay tuned for my recap of miami's hopeful win over the new orleans pelicans to wrap up the first half of the season so here to conclude our conversation is nikai's duncan well here let's tackle another question speaking of indiana mark schindler who writes for premium hoops and also indy cornrows he's a, a great follow make sure you check out all of his great work he writes in what do you think from this recent stretch is sustainable for the Heat moving forward? Or do you think they are a team that wins two out of every three around there? So, I mean, if they're winning two out of every three 
I, I mean, they would still be well above 500 and still kind of be the same team they were last year before the hiatus and entering the Orlando bubble. So I'm not sure, you know, I, I don't, he, he kind of, the way he phrases it makes it seem like somewhat of a negative thing. If they're just going to win two out of every three, I mean, I'm, I don't think they're going to be tying together six game winning streaks from here on out over the, the second half of the season. But I think his point is probably that, you know, maybe they're not as good as they've appeared over the last six games. What, to his first question, part first, you know, first part of his question, what do you think is sustainable for the team moving forward? We talked about Kendrick a little bit, um, Kelly's performances, um, anything else that you think might be quote unquote sustainable? Um, I think what is sustainable is it's funny to phrase it this way since health plays so much into it. But when you have Goran Dragic in the lineup, when you have Jimmy Butler in the lineup, you have downhill threats. And once you inject downhill threats into Miami's offensive attack, attack, everything else starts to make sense. I can believe in the flow of the offense since better looks are being generated because they have guys that actually pressure the rim. So then you can believe, you know, Duncan Robinson is in a, in a down year and he's shooting like 40% for three on eight attempts. Right. The fact that that's the expectation for him is absurd. But again, like I talked about a little bit earlier, part of that dip is that he hasn't had people taking pressure off of him. So teams are able to focus in on, you know, the handoffs with him and bam. When you have a guy like Jimmy that can get downhill, you have to worry about that. Or if, you know, if him and Goran on the lineup together, you have to worry about both of them. Defenses can't key in in the same way. So that's going to open up more cracks for Duncan Robinson. That's going to open up more shots for Tyler Hero as he gets, you know, integrated into the lineup. So I think you can, as long as they're healthy and Jimmy and Goran are there, you can expect Miami to get a better quality of looks. And on balance, they have shooters. You know, Tyler Hero can shoot. Duncan Robinson can shoot. Goran Dragic, when Jimmy Butler's doing the driving, Goran Dragic is a guy that can shoot. Mm-hmm. Now he can shoot. Kelly Olin can shoot. He's inconsistent. And those highs and those lows are just as low as the highs. But even when that balances out, throughout his career, he's been a good shooter. So you have those threats. Once you complement those shooting threats with guys that can get to the rim and force rotations, easier looks, giving good shooters easy looks tend to be a solid formula for having good offense. This next question comes in from burn the boats in a perfect world. What role would justice Winslow play on this team? I think the perfect role would be him playing on the team. (laughs) Just being justice. Yeah. I mean, you're not relying on him to be a, a mega scorer or anything like that, but it's just incredible defense, which you, you pointed out a number of times has been so high level since his return. It's just unbelievable. It's amazing that he just hasn't played NBA basketball in like a year. And in this first game, he's matched up with Devin Booker and making his life tough. Um, going back to the Clippers Grizzlies game from earlier, yeah. this week, just snatching the chain from Kawhi and bothering him on multiple possessions, switching out on the Paul George and bothering him there. Um, Going back to a Grizzlies, I've watched a lot of Memphis, let me just say. Uh, going Memphis Mavericks, the way he hounded Luka Doncic. Like, having that defensive ability and being able to showcase that against high-level scores after a year off is absurd to me. So I think at a very basic level, Justice Winslow would give Miami someone to throw on point yards if they needed them to. I hated it when they when Miami had him at the four while he was here. Mm-hmm. But if it's just as at the four versus Mo Harkless at the four, I think that would have been a pretty easy call before the season, don't you? Yes. 
Would so, you start him over Olenek? I could t- – yeah, I would probably start him over Olenek because I think Miami decided to start Bam, you know, before Myers got hurt. Miami start, decided to start Bam at the five made me believe that they were going to lean into their switching principles that they tapped right. into all-star break. So if, you're, if that's what you're going to go for, then, yeah, I would take Justice. And why I would take him over a guy like Andre Iguodala is because Justice is a little bit bigger. Um, and from there, he also offers that downhill juice. You know, they could throw him the ball. He can get to the rim almost at will. Now, what happens when he takes a shot at the rim is a different story. But he is a guy that can, you know, that can attack a closeout hard and force the defense to react in a way that Andre Iguodala can't. So I think he could slide in at the four and be another guy that gets to the rim. And that again, that helps free up a guy like Duncan Robson, create some open looks for him. Yeah. The conversation about him has become so warped over the last, like it's, you, we said a year, but he actually hasn't played for Miami, like in over a year. I mean, like he hasn't played period in over a year. It's just been so unfortunate for him because he had that hip injury in practice. And then before that, there was the, the back injury that probably played a significant role in forcing his way out of the heat. But the conversation about him is just like, you know, glad to have gotten rid of him and everything else. And, and the reality was that you have a young player who tried his best here and was, it fit such a perfect role and could do such a great job defensively that he would have been such a benefit for any team. The way he is providing a benefit for Memphis. But uh, this next question, probably our last question here comes in from heat culture, DC. He writes, does Kendrick's resurgence and Gabe Vincent recent defensive play make it clear that the hole to fill is at the four or should the heat still look to upgrade at the one slash point of attack defense? That's a tough one. That's a good question. Um, I would say, and it's probably a mean way to phrase it, but I would say, I don't know how much the Gabe Vincent defense matters. Right. Well, I think when the roster is healthy, like he's just not going to get. Moved. Yeah, when Avery Bradley comes back, we're not going to see Gabe Vincent minutes as as nice as he's been, and he had some really nice possessions against the Hawks. I just I don't think that's going to be there in a month. Yes, I just don't see it there. I think this question matters within the context of the Victor Oladipo conversation mm. because I think if you feel like you want to upgrade at the point of attack, or you just need one another ball handler. I think you can talk yourselves into packaging, packaging like a nun and then salary filler and addressing that. And Depot isn't a natural point guard, but he is a guy that can that can shoot a little bit, that provides a little bit of that rim pressure. He's still very good defensively. And that allows you to continue to bring Goran Dragic off the bench. So that that would be a way to upgrade the spot and also balance out the rotation a little bit. Um but if again, if you're not high on Oladipo and what all comes with bring him in again, you'd have to pay him immediately that summer. Then I do think on balance four is a much more pressing need. I don't think that again Kelly Olynyk can't be your best option. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, to your point earlier, you don't trade Kelly Olynyk just for the sake of making a trade. I mean, he is he is a good enough player that he can help your team in a number of different ways, especially at that size and at that position, whether at the four or five. But yes, overall, you don't want to be relying on him as heavily. And you could say that about a number of players. You don't want to rely too much on a 35-year-old point guard. You don't want to rely too much on a 36-year-old, you know, 
I, I don't know what to call Andre Iguodala at this point in his career. There are so many of those players that you don't necessarily want to rely on for either shooting or defense or any kind of significant minutes. And yet that's, that's just the nature of this team. They find a way to kind of become a greater sum of all these very weird misfit parts. And it, it has worked, but I don't, I still wonder how long it can be sustainable, uh, especially with Bam and Jimmy and everything else about this chaotic season. But uh, it's been a, a great conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time. Before I let you go, though, I kind of I'm not sure if you've even ta- tackled this on the podcast before, but uh, one of the most interesting things is your consistent criticism and totally fair criticism of the uh, the TNT <laughs> uh crew there Shaquille O'Neal Charles Barkley et al um I just kind of wanted to give you I don't know if you've done this before you know don't, you, you don't have to do it but this is your platform to go ahead and, and say your piece here you know this is go ahead let it fly you know anything you want to say about Shaq and the ridiculous points that they consistently make and, and I like I hate the conversation too because so many people say oh take it easy it's just entertainment but it's not it's you're 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 trying to make the package, the, the the game of basketball appealing to people. And what you're doing is undercutting it at every opportunity. And that just, to me, that ruins it. Like you've got a player as exciting as Donovan Mitchell and you're attacking him on, on publicly and after a big game, a big game that he helped win. And you're undercutting him like that for the public. To me, that's just doing not just Donovan, of course, but the whole league a disservice. Like I can't imagine that ever being the case in the eighties. Although look, let's be honest. It was, it was probably done. I mean, I, you're not old enough to remember Michael Jordan being attacked for being a high volume scorer that didn't carry his teams and wins earlier in his career. But that certainly was the conversation. And I, I look, I, I, I understand that that was probably not the way you want to go then. And you certainly don't want to go about it now, but with social media and so many different outlets for, to watch this beautiful game. And instead you go on there and just talk about the old days and why this player needs to be different and or better. I just don't understand it. So I I wanted to get you to kind of just let loose about it. Who buddy, that would be, uh, this could be another podcast entirely. Um, I have not addressed that on my show. Um, intentionally so, because I feel like I've done it on my Twitter feed year after year after year. And Has it been I guess that just, long? Has it been that long? Have you kind of rallying against those guys? It's it's yeah, it's been that long. It's it's so ridiculous. It's so like first and foremost, the NBA should be, you know, the NBA and their TV partners should be employing people that love the game and also watch the game at bare minimum it has to be one of the two and it just feels like ultimately the tnt crew the thursday night tnt crew i should specify yes candace parker and d wade have been great they have been fantastic but like you need people that watch the games and also love the game who he played for dakaias who he played for it oh man that I, I just I just can't but ultimately like find people that love the game and that watch the game I am fine with inside the NBA or as I dub it on Twitter now inside the entertainment right. I am fine with it having a 70 30 split towards entertainment that is fine I understand that my brand of analysis is not what is going to sell you know, it's not going to be much money in that compared to the entertainment aspect. I completely understand that. 
I mean, but Kenny Smith breaks down film. It's not like they don't incorporate it. It's just the other two buffoons just wind up ruining things in general. It's just so weird to me. It's it's weird. But yeah, it's just like if you're going to have the 70-30 split in terms of, you know, entertainment, jokes, whatever, and actual basketball, when you dig into that 30, it needs to be accurate. It doesn't have to be oh, the heat flowed out of horns here and then had a flex cut on the weak side. And that's what, it doesn't even have to be that. Right. Let it be, it has to be accurate. Let it be clear that you're at least watching. There are too many conversations that come across my Twitter feed because I don't watch the show anymore. I, I you know, I can't rail against it and then tune in and give it clicks. So like, I, I don't watch it anymore. But there are too many clips to where there are arguments being made that just aren't true. Forget being an opinion that I disagree with. That's fine. That are just not based in fact. And I don't understand how they have that kind of platform. It's an award-winning show. But when the basketball people talk basketball, it becomes clear that they aren't watching the basketball. And then when they talk about it, it's clear they don't watch it and it's clear they don't love it. So it just becomes a, this is stupid. And then when they actually talk about it, they're talking about it wrong. So it's just a big circle of stupid on national television. <laughs> a big circle of stupid. Yeah, that's that's, a, that's about right. Well, uh, thank you. I, I appreciate you, uh, you know, take, taking aim at them a little bit. And deservedly so. I, look, it's not just even if you want to look at it and the, the possibility of there are so many other people who do cover this game who could do it so much better, like who could add personality not just people of color but women and and just a broad cross-section of so many people that love this game and are willing to talk about it in a way that's so much more effective and joyful and to your point accurate that to give them the platform just because well Shaquille O'Neal is a recognizable name and a four-time NBA champion and Charles Barkley is Charles Barkley that just seems so widely unfair to me but uh yeah you're absolutely right we could talk about this for hours and just it would be an analysis of the, the problems in media, society at large, it could just be a sprawling conversation with no end in sight. So let's, let's just cut it short, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Listen, I, I've taken up too much of your time, but uh, this is your opportunity now. If you've got anything that you're working on that you want to plug, obviously most people know who you are and they can always follow you on Twitter, but uh, you should be listening to The Dunker Spot, if nothing else, uh, via iTunes, any other platforms that uh, podcasts are available, but anything else that you're working on at the Basketball News? Um, I am in the process of trying to land an interview with one of the players that we discussed on this pod. I'm not going to reveal which one, but I am currently working on that. But in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Nikias NBA, um, the Dunker Spot podcast. You can find that on you know Apple, on Spotify, wherever you get it. We drop episodes every Monday. We have a mailbag segment. Uh, we're having a mailbag heavy episode next week. So if you want to send questions in, they can be heat questions or, you know, just philosophical basketball at large questions. If you want to, you can send those to dunkerspot at yahoo.com. If you have them, uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's, that's enough. I mean, there's lots of different places to find you. And uh, again, I, I appreciate you taking the time to be on the podcast. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me, man.
That does it for part two. Thank you so much for listening to both parts. Just a reminder that you can always check out the recap of every game here. Upcoming episode will be about the New Orleans Pelicans game to wrap up the first half of the season. And of course, you can always reach out to me via email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskAllHeat. Be sure to please subscribe to the show if you haven't already and leave a great review or leave a terrible one. Be honest and you can always send me constructive criticism via email, DM, or any other method. So I'm David Ramil signing off and thanking you as always for your support. Um.